Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now on today's episode, we are going to be talking about alumni relations. And this is a fairly niche field, but you'll find that a lot of professional services companies such as management consulting firms and legal services firms, as well as a lot of educational institutions such as universities, tend to have a team that's focused on maintaining alumni relations and keeping that engagement with alumni going. So to help us understand what it's like to work in this space, our guest today is Tracy Pavlishan. And Tracy is the Director of Global Internal Communications and Alumni Engagement with AD Kearney. And uh, AD Kearney, for those of you who are not familiar, is a leading management consulting firm. It has offices around the world. And uh, Tracy has been working with them in alumni engagement for close to three years now. Prior to that, Tracy was at University of Chicago, Booth School of Business, and once again, Over there, she was Senior Director of Alumni Affairs and Events for close to 10 years. So yes, she brings a lot of great experience in this space. And as you'll hear in this episode, she shares a lot of good insights on what the day-to-day of this job is like and the kind of skills that you can pick up. So I hope you enjoy this discussion. A couple of housekeeping notes before we move on. Uh, One, if you have any feedback, any ideas, any suggestions, do drop us an email. It's really nice to hear from you. So drop us an email at hello at learneducatediscover.com. Two, if you haven't subscribed to our email newsletter yet, do consider doing so. That's where we share updates on new episodes, as well as other helpful career resources. So to sign up for our newsletter, just head over to our website at learneducatediscover.com. Third, this is a request. Do consider supporting the show. I can understand that it takes a little bit of an effort to do this, but your support can really go a long way in keeping this podcast going in a sustainable manner. And it's completely up to you how you choose to support the show. And you can choose to share any amount that you're comfortable with. That's completely up to you. But your support will really mean a lot. So please consider supporting the show. And you can do that on our website, learneducatediscover.com. And then last request is that if you haven't left a review for the show yet, do consider leaving a review. You can leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whichever app you're using to listen to the podcast. Reviews are a great way for us to get your feedback as well as to help spread the word. So do consider leaving a review. It'll only take a few minutes. All right, with that, let's now get into the discussion with Tracy. Hi, Sonali. Thanks for having me. Hey, Tracy. Hello. Welcome to the show. And thank you so much, first of all, for making time for this. Of course. I'm delighted. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, I I mean, you know, we've covered a bunch of functions on this podcast so far. uh, But I have to say that one thing that really stands out about your function is that you get to meet a lot of new people because you are on my LinkedIn and I'm always seeing updates from you meeting some alum or the other. So I'm sure that's like a nice perk of your job. Yes, alumni relations is a great profession because you're right. You meet so many people, not just executives, entrepreneurs, 
um, rising stars, people new to the profession. And the best part about working in this field is you're making connections and you never know where those connections are going to lead. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I'm sure your network is much stronger than the average person who is is sort of like, you know, at your level. Yes, I feel very fortunate to have um, a quite robust network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I think to get started, it'll be it'll be great if you can give us a quick summary of your career path so far. And I believe you got into alumni engagement right after business school, correct? I was actually in alumni relations before business school. So I have an undergraduate degree in political science. Mm. I wanted to work in nonprofit after my undergraduate degree. And I had, you know, very altruistic aspirations Mm -hmm. of what that would look like. And I had an entry-level job in fundraising, which I enjoyed. But what I enjoyed most was building relationships and making connections and starting new programs. And so I transitioned into alumni relations at the University of Chicago. And actually, right after I started my MBA at Chicago Booth, it was Chicago GSB at the time, I then became the alumni director for the business school there. And so it was a perfect kind of marrying of my academic interests with professional interests. And the reason why I went to business school was to expand my skill set. I never took an economics course in undergrad. I, I wasn't very analytical or logical. I was a great writer and uh, very strategic, but mm-hmm. I really wanted to push myself to learn those quantitative skills, which I did. And I, I knew at the time that nonprofits need to function and use data to drive decision-making, and University of Chicago really taught me that. And I used those skills to expand the alumni program at Chicago Booth. And I just continued on that path, working for the university later in strategic fundraising. And then through my network, I was approached Mm -hmm. to help A.T. Kearney expand their alumni program. And I've been three years now at the firm. Interesting. You know, everyone says that your network is what helps you sort of move around in your career. What you just described is a testament to just how strong your network is. So let me, let me ask you a couple of follow-up questions on what you just said about your career path. So one, you mentioned that your earlier interest was to work in nonprofits, and it still is, but you were sort of drawn towards the alumni relations piece of it. So what was it about this uh, function or field that you found so attractive? What's most attractive is meeting people. So I am a people person. I love meeting people. I love hearing their stories. Maybe similar to this podcast, just finding out everyone's unique path and the journey that they take and building programs that are relevant to people that create win-win opportunities, not just for the organization, but for the person, right? So you're adding value for the institution, but you're also adding value for the person. And alumni relations is really about investing in the personal success of your people. So you want your people to be successful and your organization will therefore also be successful and the reputation of both parties gets strengthened. Hmm. Actually, this is a good place where maybe you can describe what is alumni engagement. So what you just said, it sounds like alumni engagement is that any organization, whether it's a company or some sort of a nonprofit or, or like a school, builds out a function who is actively reaching out to past employees or members of that organization and maintaining a relationship with them. Yes. And the most common example is in higher education at universities. We're all familiar with what an alum 
my relationship is for a university. Really, it's about paying it forward, right? So you attended a university, you had a transaction there that was meaningful to you, you earned a degree, you value the degree, maybe you received a scholarship or you had a particularly close relationship with a professor or a mentor, and now you want to pay it forward, right? So you want to give back to the institution that gave you so much, so many great experiences, memories, maybe lifelong friendships, and you want to help the next generation succeed. So you take that idea and that framework and you replicate it in companies. It's not exactly the same because you don't have this same altruistic feeling of paying it forward, Mm -hmm. but you do have this common idea of this credential, this training that you've learned at a job. Any job that you have is a training ground. You're gaining new skills. You're challenging yourself. You want your company to succeed because if your company succeeds, you succeed. And even if you leave the company, you still want that former employer to be successful because then then the credential becomes even more valuable on your resume, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all about supporting the success of each person. If your people are happy, your company and your clients will be happy and your reputation will continue to grow. It's sort of like word of mouth marketing, right? And we're on this journey together. It's not a win or lose proposition. It's a widening of the pie. Right. Yeah. No, it, I think it definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, one additional question on your career path. So you mentioned that, you know, you are, like you enjoy working with people, you enjoy meeting new people, and this just seemed like a good fit. Uh, but like, did you explore any other functions which might have also given you something like that? So for example, you know, maybe something in marketing or maybe something in sales, you know, sales is also very people oriented function. So did you consider something else? Yes. So when I was at University of Chicago, I definitely considered a sales path, which would be fundraising. But I sort of had risen um, quickly on the alumni relations side, and it would have been difficult for me to transition over to a fundraising sales side. I would have probably had to take a few levels, uh, steps Mm. backwards, which is which is not always a bad thing to do to expand your skill set. But it just was never the right time for me to do that. And so, so I never did it. And what I enjoyed, in addition to just meeting new people, was the people management piece, having a global role, leading a global team. And as you progress in your career, you find ways to have those experience within the expertise area that you've built up for yourself. And I was able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you are right now Director of Alumni Engagement at AD Kearney. So can you share examples of the kind of projects that someone who is working in alumni engagement in a professional services organization, such as a management consulting firm, what kind of things what, or like what kind of projects do you pick up? Yes. So actually, my role at AT Kearney includes all employee lifecycle marketing. So global recruiting marketing, global mm-hmm. internal communications, and alumni engagement. So it's basically when we're recruiting employees while they're at the firm, and then once they leave the firm. But if I think about the activities that we do for alumni engagement, there's a wide range of activities. One, from data management, Mm. simple CRM management, data entry, analysis, and insights of our alumni population that help us drive decisions on how we build programs and how we connect with our alumni to um, marketing, as you mentioned, right? There's a lot of marketing, whether it be social media marketing, email marketing, 
how do we tell the story of A.T. Carney and our people? That leads into storytelling, right? We're telling who are our people? What's their post-A.T. Carney career path? You need to be a good writer. You need to be able to find those people, convince them to share their story, and then share it in a relevant and compelling way. There's also a lot of event planning. So we're doing a lot of bespoke events. We're doing a lot of piggybacking on existing events and finding those opportunities. We're creating new programs, piloting initiatives, changing the culture of the firm to include alumni earlier in the process. We're partnering with HR. We're partnering with finance. um, We're partnering with local offices. So you have to be able to influence with informal authority. We're even partnering with legal. We have had, just like many companies, we have to be GDPR compliant um, in the European Union. So that involves quite a lot of partnership with legal, which was very interesting and unexpected. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that there's like a vast, like a big variety of things that you're working on. But at a high level, you know, I, I think that the two key segments of what you're doing is one, there's a lot of analysis piece because you're gathering data on your employees and former employees and sort of figuring out some kind of strategy from there. And then two, there's, of course, the marketing piece, the outreach piece. So let me take a step back and ask you a a question around how would you describe your goal, right? So let's say you, let's say there's someone new who joins the alumni engagement team. What is their goal or, or what is their success metric, so to say? Yeah, so our goal for the alumni program, which I stated, and I say this all the time, very often, is we are investing in the personal success of our people. That's our goal. We want our people to be successful. Of course, we want them to be successful while they're at AT Kearney, but when they're ready to leave, we want to be with them on their journey and help them continue to be successful. But in a tangible way, if we look at what are success metrics for the alumni program, first, data integrity. You cannot market or engage people if you don't know who they are, where they are, and how to reach them and what they're interested in. So we have to spend and invest resources in managing the quality and integrity of our data. The second piece is engagement. How are we engaging people? Are they opening our emails, right? They're very standard metrics that everyone uses in the business world for open rates, click-through rates, follow-up on targeted digital marketing, as well as event engagement, in-person engagement. If people don't come to an event, how do we follow up with them and engage them? How do we manage those relationships? How do we cultivate those relationships? Who has the relationships? Do we even have relationships with those people? The second piece that we do is we partner across the firm to marry our alumni data with other data that we have, with HR on the talent management side or with finance on our client, our target client side. So We're not just looking at the alumni information in a silo. We're looking at it across the firm to gain insights and strengthen the entire organization. This is helpful, but I I think one thing which will be helpful to clarify is that when you say that, uh, you know, your goal is to help alumni be successful and also current employees, could you share how do you think about that? Okay, I need to make my employees, uh, former employees successful. What do you do to enable that? Sure. So an easy one is jobs, right? Hmm. (laughs) So people are looking for their next best job opportunity and we can help them, right? Because our alumni are often in positions where they're seeking talent and specifically they might be looking for talent with consulting skill sets, Mm -hmm. 
And they know the type of people that AT Kearney recruits and trains. And so they might say, I'm looking for someone with a consulting skill set who's really collaborative and fun to work with, just like people that I worked with on client engagements when I was a consultant at AT Kearney. Mm-hmm. Let me post my opportunity on the AT Kearney jobs board. So that's one simple way, jobs, right? Okay. The second way is access. So a lot of times our alumni might be looking for access to a partner who's a thought leader in a particular industry. Mm. Similarly, we might have consultants that are working on a client engagement and they're looking for a subject matter expert, which could very likely be an alum who's now on the industry side. So there is a win-win and you have to find those opportunities to formalize those networks and those channels for people to make those connections. Interesting. Okay, yeah, this this is definitely very helpful. So you're actively thinking about that, okay, what is it that my alumni need? And those needs might vary depending on how senior they are. And then you're trying to figure out how, what kind of role you can play as a firm to facilitate that. So whether that's creating some sort of a portal where people can post jobs and look for jobs, or it's creating these networking opportunities where people can connect with each other, or helping people find some kind of subject matter expert and so on. That's right. There's really this idea of thinking about what's in it for me from mm-hmm. the alum's perspective, not what's in it for me for AT Kearney or the organization. That's pretty easy to identify, right? Yeah. But what's in it for the alum in their life stage and their career stage? How can we be relevant and add value to them? And it will change over time. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. Depending on how senior they are. So your your point around what's in it for AD Carney does that question come up because I'm I'm sure you, you know you have to evaluate does it make sense for the firm to invest in this and you know you don't have to talk about AD Carney specifically but what kind of things does a firm think about Sure there are two very tangible what's in it for me for companies yeah. one is market development right so we know in every industry especially professional services and consulting it's an up or out business So either you're going to stay as a consultant, or we know only around 10% of people are on the path to partner anyway, and people are leaving. And if they go to a competitor, they may not always stay at a competitor, and they're going to go into industry. Well, when they go into industry, they become potential purchasers of management consulting services or whatever professional service you have, financial services, legal services, right? So we are breeding people who are not going to be partners they are going to be our future clients. So market development is a clear benefit to companies, not just AT Carney. Mm-hmm. The second tangible benefit is talent recruitment, retention, and management, right? So just as I said in the beginning, if you treat your people well, they'll want to stay, mm-hmm. right? So you'll be able to retain them. But also if you help them in their journey, they're going to go on to be successful businessmen and women, again, possibly helping on market development, but also furthering your reputation. Well, that's the final benefit, which is this intangible benefit of reputation, right? So in professional services, in B2B, it's not about advertising or marketing per se. It's about word of mouth. Who's used your services? Who likes working with you? Who's going to refer you? And our alumni become our whispered network. What they mm-hmm. say when we're not in the room matters so much more than any proposal we put together. Right, right, right. Now, this makes so much sense. And it sounds so smart when you put, when you put it like that, <laughs> right? Yeah, so actually, so, so then uh, talking more about the functions, I think you've given a really nice overview of what someone does in, you know, if you're working in alumni engagement. Management consulting firms definitely have 
uh, something along these lines. What other kind of industries can you find this kind of function in? Right. So, of course, management consulting, yeah. financial services, legal services, the big four accounting firms, any business that's a services business, this is super helpful, right? Okay. Because it's all about people, human capital. You're not selling a widget. You're selling your talent, your human capital. Right. What do you bring to the table? So those industries are the ones that I see that I know my counterparts are building programs similar to what AT Carney is doing. Of course, you do see more of these networks showing up in consumer packaged goods, uh, maybe informally, and then starting to become more formalized because it's really great for employer branding. Right, 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 right. exactly. So professional services, definitely, I think that makes a lot of sense. Do most professional services companies already have this kind of function fairly well established? Or is this more of an up and coming thing where it's more established in the more well known companies or the big companies, but not so much in others? In my experience, of course, the large firms, McKinsey has a phenomenal alumni program, and they've been doing it for well over 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. So they were definitely at the forefront of thinking about how you manage your people and build your network so that it creates value for everyone. And I'm starting to see more law firms, even small law firms, invest in alumni relations. And I'm not sure if that could be part of how the legal industry is changing, right? You see more um, JDs going into non-traditional legal fields. And so they might go to a law firm, a big law firm to get that training, but then either go into a corporate in-house or actually maybe go into nonprofit or industry and not actually practice law. So I think you see it in the places you expected. And then the unexpected places maybe are the smaller professional services firms that are investing in their alumni network to help with their reputation and recruitment. Got it. Got it. So in terms of, you know, uh, like alumni engagement, like, you know, it has so many components from what you described. There's data management, there's marketing, there's probably some tech component because you have to build out these portals and stuff. But like broadly speaking, is this like a marketing function or this, like, you know, that's the purview under which it would fall? At AT Kearney, yes. I said, I report into the CMO, okay. so I sit under marketing. And I would say most of my counterparts either sit under marketing or sit under HR. So it depends on the priority that the institution puts on it. So I, I know I have a colleague at another institution where they're really focused on career transition support. Hmm. And so a lot of their alumni activities are focused on helping people when they're ready to transition outside of the organization, Mm. helping them land, giving them career coaching, resume reviews. That's not a primary function for my team at the moment, but Mm. I can see the benefit of that. Likewise, you know, in marketing, I already talked about kind of all the activities that we do to keep the network engaged. Right, right, right. Okay. And generally, how how big are such teams? So if we talk about about professional services organizations like a, a consulting firm, how big would the alumni engagement team be? So it varies. I would say they're not huge. There are a few exceptions you can imagine, but I would say most teams run, uh, most global teams, I would say are less than 10 people. Oh, now, okay. yeah. in my case, I was a, a team of one for a long time <laughs> okay. as I was thinking about the structure of the alumni program. But now I oversee this 
broader range. And so I have a larger team. But what we do is we partner across the institution. And so we're able to leverage more than just what the staff that you see on paper that's supporting alumni. If you looked at the staff on paper, it would seem really small. But we're able to leverage local offices, office managers, consultants who are doing firm building activities, even consultants who are on the beach who are in between projects. They might come and work on a short-term project on the alumni team for two months. It's super helpful, and you can get a lot accomplished using in-house resources and just being creative. So I think of I think of alumni teams, not just mine, but mine in particular, as being internal startups, right? So the firm is making an investment and they definitely see the value, but you're not able to have a team of 20 or 25, right? Just it wouldn't really be prudent. Hmm. So you have to think creatively. I'm partnering with HR, I'm partnering with finance, I'm partnering with the tech team, um, I'm partnering with the Madrid office, the Australia team, you know, and leveraging people's interest and excitement in not only building their personal networks, but doing interesting work. No, absolutely. Who would you recommend should think about getting into, you know, alumni relations as a career path? I think people who are interested in storytelling, who are interested in building programs, who like to take a risk and try different things. Those are the people that I think are successful in this space because you are resource constrained. You have to think creatively and you have to be willing to try something different and everything's not going to work, but some things will have an impact and you have this sort of startup mentality that says, okay, we're going to do this and we'll see what happens. And if it's successful, we're going to expand it and scale it to other markets and other regions. So I'm sure there are people who, you know, come and work in this space for some time and then maybe they move on to something else. So typically, what are the exit paths like if you've spent some time in alumni engagement? That is a hard question. I think most people who work in alumni relations either stay in it because they love the people part of it. Or they often go into um, communications, uh, direct marketing. Maybe some people will transition over into like recruitment management. It's very similar. There's a lot of similar relationship building Mm. activities and event planning activities. Some people do go into sales, as you mentioned earlier. There's a natural kind of transferable skill from building relationships to uh, closing a deal. Mm. I would imagine something... There's a lot of like community management sort of roles that exist in a lot of tech companies where there's a large uh, component of community in your product. So maybe that's another potential thing. Yes, yeah. I think a lot of people actually also go into like project management, program management, not so much event planning because event planning is a very specific skill set, but maybe jobs that have some component of that. It's really about, building sustainable programs, right? So you have to have the idea, then you have to be able to execute the idea, and then finally to make it sustainable, measurable, trackable. And does this function go by any other names? So, you know, I have most commonly heard alumni relations, alumni engagement. 
You will see from time to time constituent management or constituent relations. So that broadens um, the audience a bit depending on the organization. Sometimes it will fall under talent management or employer branding. Okay. All right. So that, that, that's really broad, but okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And it depends like because some organizations, alumni will be a key pillar and in other organizations, maybe they're really focusing on their culture, their employees, mm, and then yeah. alumni is a smaller piece of that, but still an important piece of the, of the overall employer brand. Right, right, right. All right. So uh, you mentioned, you know, the success is primarily that you are trying to make uh, your, uh, your alumni successful, uh, but on a project basis, like, can you give us examples of the kind of metrics you look at? Sure. So I... Just over a year ago, we launched an alumni website for AT Kearney. We never had an alumni portal where there was an online directory, a jobs board, content feed where, you know, just for our alumni and employees where you log in and gain access to sort of insider information. So we launched this website and what we, of course, we track people who logged in, registrations, what content were they viewing. And so that was a very defined project where we could say, okay, okay how are we going to measure success? What's our penetration? What percentage of alumni can we get to log in? What percentage of employees? And so we tracked that in the first six months, we had over 40% of our contactable alumni log in and visit the website, which was a great success metric. And then today, we continue to track not only the people who log in, but how many people are coming back to the website every month, right? So it's not just a one-time. Are they finding the content relevant? Do we have content that's drawing them back? Not every day, but when they're looking for something, they know this is a resource they can go to. So that's something very tangible, very easy for us to measure, and very easy for us to gain insights and see and make changes. So one thing, which I'll share, is... One oversight I had was we focused so much on the launch that an external marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So our 40% number that we were so excited about six months after launch has stayed pretty flat. Mm-hmm. And that means when people are leaving the firm, we're not losing it. So the percentage isn't going down, but it's not climbing. Right. And so now we have to say, oh my gosh, we need to keep up the marketing drift. We can't yeah. just stop with the launch. So that yeah. was an oversight on our part. And looking at the data, we're able to say, hey, let's make a change here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. This is super helpful. So in your opinion, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of working in this in this space? You already mentioned the people piece that you get to meet so many people. Uh, what else? Yeah, I think the risk taking is really exciting, right? So you have the opportunity just to have a crazy idea and try it right? And the the stakes aren't really that high because any idea you have is about engaging people, helping people, helping the company. And if it doesn't work, no harm is really done. So I I really think um, the risk-taking and the startup mentality is very exciting. Also, I think the stakeholder management, not only internal stakeholders, partners, principals, the chief talent officer, but also the alumni that you meet and that you're working with, they're executives and they're interesting. And you have to really figure out and be comfortable talking with them, having a point of view, listening to their point of view, and then delivering on whatever it is that you're talking about. And so I think those are, in addition to the people part, which I'm really passionate about, those are things that keep me motivated every day. 
So on the piece that you mentioned that you get to, you know, try out crazy ideas and take risks, can you share an example of maybe something that stands out in your mind or something that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, so one example that I'll share from University of Chicago is when I was leading the alumni program, there was a need to create a forum to bring faculty to alumni. And we had a crazy idea of establishing a global lecture series, which we called the Global Leadership Series. And, and we, we didn't want it to be US-based. We wanted it to um, touch Europe and Asia Pacific. We didn't really have the funds. We didn't have the resources. But we started one year in five cities. And over five years, the program grew to 35 cities annually. And this is over 15 years ago that we started this program. And I'm super proud that the program still exists today. It's not called the Global Leadership Series. They rebranded it Chicago Booth Insights, but it's still happening. I'm sure the content, the format, the cities have all evolved, but it's a program where we had an idea. We started small, it grew, and now it's evolved and it's continuing on. I mean, I have not been at the University of Chicago at the business school, I think for eight years now, and it's Mm -hmm. still going on. So I think that's an idea where you have something, it's a good idea, and you just go for it. Yeah, that's that's a great example. It sounds like an internal TED Talks at Chicago Booth. Yes, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting idea. So uh, and what would you say are some things that you just do not like about this job? Yeah. So what I don't like is when I have to sit down and figure out the technology, not because I'm not interested in, you know, the technical aspects of our alumni website or our CRM system or even our email marketing tool, but really just because anytime you're dealing with a technical integration or a problem with a a two-way data sync, it requires you to really sit down for a designated period of time, even two hours or four hours, and really stop and shut out all the noise of everything else to understand it, analyze it, and solve it. And that's not a luxury that I have. (laughs) So when technical challenges come up, I always put it off because (laughs) because I have to find the space to really sit down and think about it. And I can imagine that, you know, as you get a bigger team, perhaps that's the kind of thing you can, that you can potentially, you know, delegate to like an IT person on, on the team. But, uh, you know, to, are, are there certain aspects which are very characteristic of the job itself, right? So as an example, you might say that if, if in your company, alumni, you know, yes, the function exists and the company has invested something in it, but it's not like very high priority. Then you might be struggling with just getting funds to, to do an event or to, or to create a website. So, some, you, yes. know, so you, have to like influ- you have to do a lot of influencing to get small things done. Yes. So two common challenges that I face are stakeholder buy-in, as mm. you just articulated very well. <laughs> and that's not just unique to alumni relations, that's unique across every function in every organization, fighting for more funds, more resources, right? right and yeah. making the case in a way that it's not only compelling, but urgent, right? We have to do this now. Why do we have to do it now? We can't kick this can down the road another year. 
Yeah. So yes, that's common for me and common for many other people. The second piece that is a challenge in alumni relations, not at just AT Kearney, but at any global institution is global teaming. So I manage a global function and I have global priorities, but my global priorities are not always the same as a local priority hmm. or a local interest, right? They, they may not be interested in alumni engagement for their market, or they may have a different vision of it. They may not want to comply for a variety of reasons. Maybe they just are super independent and what they're doing is working, but you know, I want them to comply with maybe using the email marketing tool hmm. or hmm. capturing even more information in the firm's CRM database. Or I want them to, you know, think about having more variety of events, or we want to have a global event and we want to include alumni. So I think global teaming, how do you be relevant to the local market and how do you align the global priority with the local priority? It's the same question that we have for alumni, which is what's in it for me if I'm sitting in Madrid, Mexico City, Australia, UK, right? Why do they care? Because I care so much and I have to convince them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, you know, one thing which I which I should have clarified earlier, uh, how much of your job is you meeting a lot of alumni yourself? And how much of it is more about, you know, thinking about alumni and what they need and, and trying to figure out how best to meet those needs? So when I first joined the firm, I met a lot of alumni in person, over the phone, video chats, at events, um, because you cannot build an alumni program sitting in your office. Mm. You have to listen and solicit feedback. And so I spent a lot of time doing that. Now, as my role has expanded and I have um, more variety of priorities, I continue to meet alumni, probably not as much as I did in my first year at the firm. I would love spend more time. It's just, you know, sort of uh, not as possible. So we do look at more data and we are doing more segmented and bespoke events for our alumni uh, based on industry, geography, affinity. And that gives me a different type of insight and different type of touch point. So I'd love for there to be more of a balance. And and maybe as the program evolves, it'll swing back to more face-to-face interactions. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you were to think about, you know, like a like a typical day or a typical week, perhaps, if, if that's a better time period to look at, you know, how would you split your time? So, you know, like, you know, maybe maybe you say that, you know, 30% goes towards talking and interacting with alumni and then 20% just goes towards travel and, and so on. Yeah, so there is no typical week. I think most people will say there's yeah. no typical week. Right now, I've been spending more of my time on recruiting because it's MBA recruiting season. And that's one piece of my um, responsibility that my team has. So, you know, just this week, I was at a recruiting presentation in Chicago, listening to what our managing partner was saying and sort of evaluating our marketing assets and were they hitting the mark and expressing our culture in the right way. So that's taking up more of my time in, in this period than alumni. I am onboarding. I have a, a new staff person. So I've been spending a lot of time onboarding the staff person, which is really great because it reminds you of, you know, documentation, process. Do we have the right onboarding materials? 
is it clear how you manage the alumni website? Is it clear all the technical pieces of the pie? So we've been spending a lot of time on that. And then also just in this particular moment of time, we're in the middle of budget cycle and, and uh, promotion planning. So there's a lot of administrative work that I'm focused on right now in terms of advocating for more budget dollars. What are our big bets for 2019? What are things that we invested in, but maybe haven't returned the results that we were looking for. And so we're going to kind of fade them out and do something different. But all of this always includes alumni engagement work. So for example, this week we sent a global message to our alumni just yesterday. And from that message, there are many responses to our managing partner, which require some follow-up from me in terms of follow-up emails to alumni, follow-up phone calls, meetings, they're interested, they have an opportunity they want to discuss with the firm, they want to reconnect. And so those are triggers for me to re-engage and have that face-to-face interaction with alumni. Hmm. All right, so then just a few more questions from the point of view of someone who might be interested in doing something like this. So if you could think about, you know, three to five skills that you think are absolutely necessary to be successful in this job. And it would be really helpful if you could talk about things which you think are very unique to this role as opposed to like, you know, generic stuff, which you need everywhere. But something which really describes what makes this role unique and what you need to be successful in it. So you need to be an advocate. I firmly believe that people who are in alumni relations are advocates, not only for people, but for their program. I I'm the biggest cheerleader about alumni relations for A.T. Kearney. Anyone who bumps into me in the elevator, in the kitchen, at an event, and they ask me, what are you working on? I always have something exciting to say about alumni. <laughs> Either an interesting story, a new connection, a new program we're doing, an Instagram post we recently had. So you, you need to have that sort of pride of work and be a cheerleader for what you're doing because you want to raise the profile of the program and it's super important to do that. I talked about risk-taking. I think it's really important. Probably not so unique to this job. I think all of us should be more risk-takers and not be afraid to try something and fail, but I think it's a really important skill to develop and not be afraid of. People management, not just in terms of direct reports, but in influencing and working and collaborating with other people. In order to be successful in alumni relations, I need other people to buy in to my passion for this work because all parts of the organization touch alumni. And so I need to be able to influence and especially with people who I have no formal authority over, but I need them to see that there's a win-win in working together and that I can help them. So sort of this people management um, influencer skill is really important. You can't work in a silo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is actually a really helpful list. And I think the advocate piece definitely makes a lot of sense because like you said, you have to constantly make people aware of what you're doing and get them excited about it. It's sort of like indirectly related to the influence piece. If you're advocating it for constantly somewhere or the other, people are going to hear about it. True. If, if we talk about how you look for people for your team itself, right? So first of all, what kind of like tangible things do you look for when you're trying to hire someone for your team? 
So, of course, we look for fit, right? I mean, that's the most important piece is someone who's going to fit with our team, with our firm's culture. And that's true in any organization. You you want someone that you like working with and that, you know, will just fit right in. So fit is really important. The other thing that I look for is someone who brings ideas to the interview, right? So... Most people, once I'm interviewing them, they can do the job. They have the skills. They have the background. They're probably good writers, good communicators. But if they can show me that they're creative and that they will bring ideas and they understand our unique community, that will cement a job offer, right? So fit and bringing ideas because most any of us can do the job once you get to the interview, yeah, I mean, they have the skills on paper. Now you're just looking to see if they have the ideas and they're excited about the job. What What is the typical background for a role like this? So the typical background is someone who has been in marketing or maybe um, volunteer management is a common background. Mm-hmm. Communications, there's a lot of writing, not just external writing, but inter- internal writing, right? Like you have to be able to articulate what you're trying to do and sell it. So most common I see are people with sort of writing, communications, maybe some association management, backgrounds, higher education, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people have worked in higher education and they're looking to make a switch from higher education into the corporate side. And so they'll say, wow, I didn't realize that these companies are hiring, have alumni programs. I've been building a university program let me transition to corporate. Right, 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 right. And how do you assess, like, for example, writing? Are, are you looking for experience in writing or are you looking for their, like, you know, how good their cover letter is? No, we have a writing, we do a writing exercise. Oh, okay. So we have, yeah, so I'm looking for storytellers, right? I'm looking for people who can tell an interesting story or can read some read something and identify the interesting angle and sell it. Oh, this is so cool. Can you share an example of the kind of writing exercise someone might be asked to do? So we have you, we have a, a few different ones, but what we might give just a corporate bio okay. of, of an alum and ask someone to turn it into a social media post. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's like a very practical. And so, and yeah. they, they have like a time bound like right. fixed amount of time to do it in okay yeah oh interesting okay so how and how does someone apply to a program like this well so at at carney most you know our hr we have a great hr internal hr team and they post the positions and we're fortunate that a lot of people want to work at at carney not just on the consulting side but on our management services team and so they just apply through our internal channels so like applying when the website works Okay. Or of course you can try and get a referral. Yes. And we do actually in, in the marketing team in Chicago, the global team, we actually do a lot of intern to hires. So we'll hire interns for extended internships, six months or nine months. Okay. And then if they're a great fit and they're working, you know, on challenging problems and having good success, then those turn into full-time positions. Interesting. Do you have any open positions right now? We have a few intern positions. Um, we don't have any. We just hired, I think, three or four people. So we don't have any 
full-time positions at the moment. And that's the challenge is most alumni teams or marketing teams or even HR teams are pretty small, right? They're like mm. tiny but mighty, doing a lot of work, maybe three or four uh, responsibilities fall under one person. And so there aren't so many positions available. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty flat. Yeah. So a- any resources that you would want to recommend to people? And, the, uh, you know, one definitely, which something which might help someone understand this space a little bit better or learn more about it. But then also things that you would recommend to someone who is early in their career and just, you know, resources for an early career professional. Sure. I still think the best resources on alumni relations and alumni engagement come from higher education. So there is an organization called CASE, which if you just Google CASE alumni relations, they offer a ton of trainings, a ton of conferences Mm. focused on fundraising, but also focused on alumni relations, not just in the U.S., but global. I think they continue to be a standout resource using higher education as sort of a best-in-class model. Okay. And then I think a lot of technology solutions, actually, technology solutions that provide alumni portals, alumni websites, job boards, those companies are increasingly hosting conferences, webinars, talking about alumni engagement on the Mm -hmm. corporate side and what does it mean. So I would encourage people to look at those resources too. Interesting. Yeah, that's a very good point. Are there any conferences that you know tend to be like really good? So most of the ones I've seen have been webinars, okay. um, not so many in-person ones, but there, if you just Google, I, I, I don't want to endorse any one <laughs> okay. company, yeah. but if you Google, you know, so alumni website platforms, technology solutions, there are, you know, I think five or six key players that mm-hmm. will come up and they offer um, a lot of interesting articles and webinars on this topic. Okay. Okay. No, that's super helpful. And then any any other general resources for early career professionals? I think the best thing to do for anyone, not just early in your, your career, I still do it, is just to go for a coffee chat. Mm-hmm. Reach out to people who have an interesting career or an interesting position that you're, you want to learn more about. Maybe people are not going to give you an in-person meeting, but most everyone, myself included, I'll spend 20, 30 minutes on the phone with someone who has a genuine interest in learning about what I'm doing in marketing, what, what AT Kearney is about and be prepared when you have, when you schedule that call, you know, don't, don't just have it and say, well, yeah, so tell me about your day, but really be, (laughs) be prepared and thoughtful. And that's a great way to learn about different companies, different jobs, what it's really about. And I find most people are willing to give you 30 minutes. What what do you, what do you think is a good way to ask for someone's time, whether it's over a phone call or over coffee? What do you think is a good way to ask for it? And let's say I'm reaching out to you on LinkedIn and I've never met you before. Yes, so people do do that, <laughs> and you know, of course, I'm always inclined to help someone from you know either my undergraduate or uh, my business school. So w- when when those people reach out to me, I'm always I'm always happy to do it. But I have talked to several people who just, you know, emailed me on LinkedIn and they have a very specific ask. They'll say, hey, I read your profile. I know you switched from higher education to corporate and I'm interested in talking with you about these two topics. Hmm. Very specific, okay. not just, hey, Je- hey, I'd love to get to know you. 
I know. <laughs> yeah, that would be a weird request for sure. And so my follow-up would have been, you know, was going to be that what do you say no to or just choose not to respond to? One is definitely if it's like very vague. Uh, is there anything else that is it like a definite no-no for you? Yeah, I don't actually respond to people if they just try to LinkedIn me and they, hmm. you know, without, I don't know you, I've never met you. And they just say, hey, I saw your profile. It looks interesting. Just because if I connect with you, then someone else is going to ask me, oh, Tracy, you know this person. Yeah. They applied for a job. Can you tell me about them? And then I have to say, well, actually, I don't really know that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if we have a phone call, if we met in person at a conference, at an event, I'm happy to, I'm happy to connect. So I just think just be thoughtful and be, be considerate and try to add value to the other person. I've had recent college students reach out to me and they'll say, you know, I'd love to hear about your career. And I want to tell you what's happening at Emory. I went to Emory. So they'll say, I want to tell you what's happening at Emory and fill you in. Mm, interesting. That's yeah, helpful. It's so, helpful. That's a really good idea. So if you can find something which you can, not necessarily like, you know, what you can offer in return, but at least something which makes you sound a little bit more interesting, something, you know, you might have something worthwhile to share. That can be something good to include also. Right. And when I reach out to people, I try to make a connection too. like I might if I'm reaching out to an executive, I might say I read a recent you know, media profile on you or I saw this thought provoking perspective that you wrote about and A.T. Carney is working on something similar. So, you know, can we connect on this? Right. Mm. So you're always trying to find something in common. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. OK. All right. This is so helpful, Tracy. Thank you so much. This was a, this is a really good conversation. Any other parting advice you'd like to share? Again, early career professionals, whether it's about alumni relations or just general career advice. Yeah, I think just, you know, find the joy in the work that you're doing and any career path you take, it's not permanent. It's not forever. You know, you'll try it. You'll figure out what you like. You'll figure out what you're good at. You'll figure out what you don't like. And Ask for opportunities, raise your hand to try something different, to expand your role, to broaden your network, not just from the people that you work with in your department, but across departments. And that will help you make transitions either in your firm or outside your firm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Tracy. In fact, now that I'm speaking with you, I'm thinking maybe I'll invite you again to just talk about career strategy. But that, that's, a, that's an oh, offline sure. conversation that we'll have <laughs> later on. But thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, Tracy. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Sonali. It was so much fun. Thank you. Take care. All right. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave, do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all, or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, Bye-bye.